0: Today's episode, I'm going to give you my take on the Federal Reserve's proposed central bank digital currency or CBDC. They're doing a trial run of their program called Fed Now coming this July. Have you heard about it? If you want to know what's happening with your money and your freedom, and you want to keep both of them, then you don't want to miss this episode. Welcome back. I'm John, the host of The Pursuit of Preparedness. So, the CBDC, where do we even begin? The more I read into it, the more questions pop into my head and more rabbit holes I go down. For instance, I wanted to talk about the constitutionality of the current proposal because I believe it is unconstitutional, that this is coming about by an executive order and not by Congress. The Constitution gives Congress the authority to coin new money. And yes, this CBDC is new money. Let's not fool ourselves. But I'm not a lawyer, and I feel that 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 discussion could turn into something that I'm not smart enough to speak about. But I wanted to throw that piece out there and make sure Americans understand this is a constitutional matter, and it shouldn't be overlooked. It's your right to be concerned about this. It's things like that I could talk about for hours to unravel everything, but I might have to do multiple episodes just to cover it all. Maybe, hopefully, as we get closer to July, more information will come out, and we'll have all of the answers to our questions. But judging by the lack of transparency shown by this government lately, I doubt that's going to happen, because the way I see things, if this is for certain going to be the currency of the near future, that information needs to be out yesterday. I feel like we're being kept in the dark. There's been very little coverage about this. I mean, they've they've talked about it, but the coverage has not been commensurate to the monumental shift it'll create in this country if the CBDC becomes legal. And most of what the media is putting out is that it's innocuous, that it's just a trial run. But a trial run for what? They make it sound harmless and they've stated that it's not yet been decided if it'll be even be adopted. Yet they're telling banks and businesses to adopt it now. If you Google Fed Now, FEDNOW, the Fed's website comes up and on the top of the page it says and I quote, Is your organization ready? Visit Fed Now for complete resources, tools, and education. I mean They sound like they're primed for showtime and can't wait to get this thing out of the gate. There's just lots of mixed messages, and I don't want to call it deception because I don't want to unfairly paint all of government with a broad brush. But there's definitely selective information put out by the media and the government. It's like they're hoping we'll just go along with it without any resistance and not ask too many questions, telling us what we want to hear instead of what we need to know. But the information is out there, you just have to look outside of your mainstream corporate media. So today I thought I'd narrow it down to my top three concerns, and those are liability, implementation, and privacy. To keep this episode short, I'm just gonna scratch the surface and just bring awareness so that you can do research on your own. To set the stage here, let me read you an excerpt of the Fed's website on a white paper about digital currencies that they released in January of 2022. The part that I want to focus on is this. It reads, Consumers and businesses have long held and transferred money in digital form via bank accounts, online transactions, or payment apps. The forms of money used in those transactions are liabilities of private entities, such as commercial banks. Conversely, a CBDC would be a liability of a central bank, like the Federal Reserve. All right, so let me start off with liability. What do you think of when you hear the word liability in this context? Well, for me, I think the word liability implies ownership. In fact, it seems to always imply ownership. For instance, when I was applying for life insurance, the application asked for my assets and liabilities. My home was an asset, or rather it it is an asset, and the mortgage I have on it is the liability. Both refer to something that I own, or at least I'm on the hook for making sure that the lender is getting their monthly check in full. Here's another example. If you cause an auto accident, you are liable for the costs and damages um, and the medical bills, right? Yes, you have insurance, and hopefully it'll cover all of it. But if it doesn't, guess who's paying? You. You are the one who is liable. I think it's interesting that the Fed only gave commercial banks as an example of private entities, because private entities also means individuals, right? You own the money too. At the end of the day, you own that money, whether you deposit it in a bank or if you keep it, keep some of it in your wallet. Private entities can also be your employer, assuming if you're, if you're working for someone. When your employer pays you, the money is transferred from their business account to your personal account. So now with this CBDC, now they're saying that it's, it would be the Federal Reserve's liability. Essentially, they're saying, and assuming that I understand their intent, they're declaring that they own the money. So then this takes us into the implementation piece. And there's two things that I want to say about this. The first is how I think we'll be paid with the CBDC in in the case of you working for an employer. And the second has to do with cryptocurrency. So first, um, I predict, and mark my words, I predict that our paychecks are going to come straight from the U.S. Treasury you won't even notice where your money is coming from because nothing's going to change on your end, right? You you just show up to work and you get paid. What will change, I believe, is employers will become like accountants for the government. You and your employer will agree on a payment rate or salary when you start working for them or, or if you get a, a pay raise. Um, before the end of the pay period, they'll report to the government the amount of money that should hit your bank account. And then Treasury will pay you accordingly. But the problem that I can't seem to get my head around is is what does it mean for the CBDC to be a liability of the central bank? Will it always be the liability of the central bank? In other words, owned by them, owned by the central bank. When you are quote unquote paid, does ownership then transfer from the central bank to you, the private entity? The white paper doesn't talk about any of this. So now let me jump to the second part of this implementation piece. I've heard the CBDC referred to as a form of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. But unlike the crypto that you might be familiar with, to make it sound more attractive, meaning less volatile than Bitcoin, they claim it is backed by the U.S. government Supposedly, we'll get the benefits of crypto, whatever those are, right? Plus, the security that your digital dollars are safe from bank runs and economic calamities. But here are my reasons to be wary of these assertions. Number one, not once have I heard or read anything about a CBDC blockchain, public keys, private keys, cold wallets, governance, seed phrases, supply, Or network fees. And those are just some some of the basic concepts of the crypto economy. You know, we we have a thing in this country called informed consent, and the information we've been given doesn't quite meet the the requirements for our informed consent, but they're asking for it. Uh, Number two, Bitcoin and all crypto in the markets are decentralized currency. There isn't a central Bitcoin bank. On the other hand, the CBDC is, it is centralized. You know, that there are crypto exchange, exchanges where you can buy, sell and swap crypto, but it's not a bank. With decentralization, there's no need for banks. So my question is, will the CBDC make banks obsolete? Since there's no longer the liability of private entities. Number three, the crypto supply is limited, but is the CBDC supply limited? That's a concern because we know that when the Fed prints money and there's an excess supply in circulation, then inflation rises and the value of the dollar goes down. Can you imagine what damage that will do to the economy? And finally, number four, number four is actually the third concern I have after liability and implementation, and that's privacy. This is probably the biggest concern that privacy advocates are sounding the alarm about. I mean, it's, it's a deal breaker for me because cryptocurrency's biggest draw is its anonymity. Right? I, I won't get into the technical aspects of how and why that works, but crypto is decentralized. It's, it's designed to be anonymous. Now, you might know the person you're sending money to or receiving uh, crypto from, but names are not recorded on the blockchain. Um, the, the Fed's white paper mentions the word privacy 14 times, but it doesn't spell out the details about how how one of our most sacred inalienable rights will not be infringed upon. What they are talking about, though, is how does the government strike the balance between one's privacy and The government's ability to detect and deter illicit activity, such as funding terrorists. I mean, what is the definition of illicit activity and who gets to define it? Again, that's not talked about in a white paper. So let's go a little bit further. What's to stop the government from tracking how much you spend, where you spend it, when and on what product or service? If the purpose is to detect and prevent crime, they would need to track every purchase in order to be able to um, uh, gather the evidence and build a case against you and establish intent. How else are they going to know that your money is going to a terrorist without comparing your name to a database? I don't know about you, but that's like saying you're a potential criminal. You could be funding terrorism. So that's why we have to check. Well, what criteria must you meet in order to be put into such a database? And will you even be notified when you do get added? And then what legal recourse do you have to get your name off of it if you're innocent? This system can be extended not to just criminal activity, but also, let's say, climate policies. Imagine a database of all of your purchases virtually everything you buy from a store things that you don't produce or grow yourself in your own home has a carbon footprint and even those things have a carbon footprint so you go to the grocery store to purchase uh, avocados from Mexico and the cashier informs you that they they can't ring it up it just it won't because the system is telling them uh that there've been too many um too many avocados have already been bought collectively, and they need to suppress the demand for a time. Would you want that to happen? Would you want that to happen if you're trying to buy baby formula or diapers, or maybe you need a new car because you just got a new job? But you can't because there's too many cars on the road, and they need to to stop um, um, sales for a certain time. So, the, you know, these are the kind of questions that that just Kind of keep up, keep me up at night, and, and I try not to let it keep me up at night, but you know it, it definitely is an amazing and, and surreal time to be living in the United States of America at this time, isn't it? But sadly, I'm sure there are a lot of Americans out there who who would give up their privacy for the illusion of security. It's a slippery slope, and and we need to to step away or or even run fast and far away from. You know, I, I, I get that we need to be safe and secure, but this is not how I would describe safety and security. It's surveillance. Surveillance is what you do to bad guys, and, and you need to have a warrant to do that. And um, I realize this all sounds like alarmism, but I'm, I'm going by what, what we're being given. And, and I use my experience and intu- intuition to fill in the gaps. But on a national scale, speculation and ambiguity never make for good policy. If we're going to move towards a digital currency, you can't just flip a switch and expect our entire economy to fall in line overnight. There needs to be a a careful incremental transition with budget oversight, governance, transparency, uh, public education, accountability, and privacy, and cybersecurity. But above all, it it must all be constitutional. Now, I'm not against the idea of a CBDC, but if I have a say in this version of it, I'd say throw it in the trash and, and go back to the drawing board. And you know what? Just shelve that project for a generation or two because there's a lot more pressing matters that we could be focusing on with our precious time and resources. We have to fix our economy first and stabilize it before we start changing the very thing that moves it your money so i'll just i'll just leave it at that thank you for listening this week um i'll i'll go a little bit more in depth in the future um i i just wish i could end it on a high note but all i can say is keep prepping stay focused and always always pray Please be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast so you can get the newest episodes straight to your phone when they come out. And also, please leave a comment. Did I strike a chord with you? Do you think we we are going to get this CBDC in a year or two? Do you think we can stop it? That's a good question. And um, do you want more of this kind of content? Please tell us your thoughts. As always, thank you. Be safe. God bless.